Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Tony Knopp in a few moments. First of all, our play-by-play call of the day. The Sixers roll on in the NBA playoffs. TJ to JJ into the corner, Cub. Back to Reddick. Three ball in the air. It's good. JJ Reddick has put it in. And the Sixers lead by 16. Reddick knocking down a three. His fourth in the game. 10 10 to go. Tom McGinnis with the call on the Sixers Radio Network. I'm really happy for Tom. The reason is that that dude had to call a lot of bad hoops for years. Now he's got now he's got a slice of gold. <laughs> with how the Sixers are playing right now. All right. I look forward to it anytime I see the name up there. Don't talk to him often enough. Tony Knopp, CEO of Spotlight Ticket Management. My friend, welcome back. How are you doing, Steve? Long time. Long time. It's great to hear you. I hope everything is going well on your end. All is well. Fighting a little bit of a cold, but you'll hear it. Bear with me. <laughs> We're just happy to have you here. Uh, let's start with uh, with this. The World Cup is coming up. Obviously, the, the the nations will come together, but it's in Russia. There'll be no United States. How do you view that right now? How does the corporate world view it? It's going to be a very interesting World Cup. Um, not only is the World Cup in Russia, but the Champions League finals are in Kiev coming up in a couple of weeks here. And, uh, you know, for those who don't follow uh, international soccer all that much, uh, the Russian soccer gangs, which is a real thing, have been have taken to social media and made it very, very clear that England is not welcome in Russia, uh, either for the Champions League finals or for the World Cup. And without the United States being there, uh, the question is going to be how much of England is going to be there and what kind of focus you're going to see on Mexico. So, for example, you know, Fox paid $1.2 billion for the rights to uh, a lot of the major soccer that happens over the course of the next 12 years. And if you watch, you know, all their commercials are, are around El Tree, around, you know, Team Mexico. So I think there's not going to be that much coverage in the United States, to be totally honest. I don't know if people are going to care all that much. And I'm actually really worried about the security issue there. Uh, I, I talked to two of the top five major sponsors of the Champions League and World Cup, and they're just not sending people. Uh, one of them is a major beer brand who usually sends between 1,000 and 2,000 people a year to the Champions League finals. They're sending 100 people. And the other is a major technology company that is anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000 people at the World Cup, and they said they'll, they'll have maybe a dozen people there. It's just not safe. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I expected but, it to be bad, but when they told me that, I thought, wow, uh, I don't know who's going to go then. Well, the part about the Russian gang versus uh obviously England I knew about hadn't oh. talked about on the show but knew about uh but it, this goes far deeper I think than anybody realizes it's going to be incredibly dangerous and very very nasty I mean a quick google search or youtube search to show you what what they're already doing to each other and the idea of you know an english team possibly being in kiev for the champions league if, if liverpool holds on and then england going to the world cup it's going to be, you know, people shouldn't be leaving the major cities. And even at that point, I, I don't know if I'd want to be traveling around the England contingent, to be honest. 
And, and the reality is when you have a World Cup in a place like Russia, you know, similar to having it in South Africa, you're really, really relying on those European countries. And England travels better than almost all of them, especially if the team is good. So you're literally taking one of your top five fan bases and saying you're not welcome here. It's going to have a major economic impact on the World Cup. Plus, you already don't have Italy. Right. I mean, it's you don't have Italy, you don't have the Dutch. Uh, you're basically saying England's not welcome. So you're relying on you know the German contingent, the Spanish contingent, teams getting a little old there, to, to bring enough economic impact and economic influence to you. You know, the Americans aren't going out there. Uh, the team's not even in it. So it, it's going to be a really fascinating World Cup. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact they're trying to make it a global game and that, you know, teams like Egypt and, you know, teams from Asia that probably aren't in the top 30 are getting in. But now it's getting to the point where they're kind of cutting off their nose despite their face, you know. I mean, the Dutch are the runners-up two of the last three times, and they're not even in the tournament. Right. Uh, there's something interesting going on, and it's with Big Ten Network. Outside the Big Ten footprint, Comcast has dropped the Big Ten Network. Now, you and I both know that that 10-year deal that they signed, it's up this year. This is year yep. 10, so this is the 10-year deal. And you and I both know that the negotiations continue to be stalled, that next will be the Big Ten footprint. I wouldn't yep. be surprised if the first couple of weeks of the football season there's no Big Ten network on Comcast. That's just That's just an opinion. It's not fact. What in today's cable market? Well, you're still getting into seventy million plus homes. That's not a small number. Yeah, oh yeah. What What's the effect of these negotiations? What do leagues want, or you know, or a league network want, and what does Comcast want? Well, you know, the problem is they're trying to figure out how to measure what's happening right now. I mean, the reality is they still haven't found an effective way to understand who's watching across multiple, you know, uh, viewership, whether it's you're watching on your tablet, whether you're watching it mobile, or whether you're watching it in a traditional sense. So even their ratings right now aren't really something that they can rely on. And we're all hearing about cord cutting and people getting away from live TV, but, you know, sports continues to maintain. You know, the one thing that's going to be interesting to watch with the Big Ten Network is they're kind of first here. Uh, they were the first ones to set up a regional network that was as powerful as it is and a regional sports network that was as powerful as it is. And so, you know, the Pac-12 and others have kind of uh, piggybacked off of that. It'll be interesting to see how well they hold the line because, you know, a lot of people believe, you know, there's just no way I'm going to miss Penn State football for the first month if I'm on Comcast. Comcast would never do that to me. Well, I'd invite you to come out here and try to catch a Dodger game on Time Warner, who's the number two provider in Southern California. We haven't had Dodger games locally in over two seasons, and the Dodgers went to the World Series last year. So, I mean, we're not talking about you know, a public relations issue here. And the cable companies are already not well-liked. They're not that concerned about you not liking them anymore. Uh, what they're more interested about is, you know, the hundreds of millions of dollars that are going back and forth in this negotiation and making sure that they're not missing out on how the next generation is going to consume what they're watching. Because, honestly, they don't really even know. And, you know, kudos to the Big Ten Network. I mean, the reality is it's extremely powerful. Uh, the fans are very, very loyal. And as people move to a different form and different platform for entertainment, sports has helped. So, you know, they know they're sitting on something valuable. I just hope it doesn't affect people in Big Ten country because, you know, that would be a shame. It's, you know, the best time of the year. Right. No, it's, uh, you know, and that's happened with other groups before. Remember CBS oh, sure. got a big go-around with Comcast about carriage fees and how much it's going to cost per CBS affiliate on, oh, the, biggest uh, nightmare on the bill and so forth? Houston. 
the Houston Rockets and the Houston uh, Astros decided to build their own network because they didn't like the way the negotiations were going with Fox and some of the other major players. And they built their own network, and the two of them said, yeah, there'll be no problem with having both of us you know, in charge. And what happened? It completely tanked. They ended up suing one another. Uh, the games fell off the air for you know, well over a year between two major market teams. And just now they're back to where they started. They signed an outsourced deal where they have a, a you know a network company now covering it and, and handling it for them. So, you know, there's a lot at stake here, and there's a lot of precedent for people who have really messed this up. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of times when we see this, we think you know these are major brands and they know what they're doing and they're not going to interrupt the football season. But <laughs> actually, precedent says otherwise. Well, now I want to bring the Dodger part up, Tony, because you brought that up. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago they had taught somebody said, well, gee, you know, they've got Vin Scully as well as the Dodgers, and they still can't get on. And Scully, to his credit, said, hey, look, my job's to announce the games. It's not my job to, you know, people shouldn't be watching just for me. So what is in Los Angeles where the Dodgers are as established a brand as you could possibly ask for? What is the rub? Why can't the two sides come to an agreement? It just comes down to money. They just, the Dodgers, when they bought, when Guggenheim and the partners bought the Dodgers, you know, the understanding was they put a valuation on that deal, on the network deal and how much they were going to be able to make both locally and internationally. You know, the Dodgers have uh, aspirations of being an international brand. They believe that they're the number two brand behind the Yankees. And, you know, you and I would laugh about that now because that just hasn't been the case for the last 20 years. But, you know, 1988 and prior, they were the number two brand in baseball. So, you know, they they have aspirations to get back to that point. And, you know, Time Warner is just saying, look, this doesn't add up, right? You're trying to hold a sausage and you're trying to turn our fans against us. So it's gotten to the point now where it's so stale. Uh, You know, you go to sports bars around here and there are signs up that say, we don't have Time Warner, you can watch Dodger games. Or we do have Time Warner, you can watch Dodger games, right? It's it's giving them the opportunity to say, look, Time Warner is going to use this as as an example to try to drive new subscribers and they've dug their feet in the sand they've already gotten past the, the uh, publicity backlash for it it's almost become a normal thing here and i personally do know people who've, who've converted over so they can watch dodger games and i think we're going to have the same kind of chicken uh, at the big 12 network and that's just going to set the precedent for what happens everywhere else because all of these other networks are looking at the big 12 network as the gold standard right the sec can talk about how great they are but the business side for them, uh, it's just not there. They're too reliant on, on their major network deal, right? And they don't control their own product. So this will be a fascinating one to watch because this isn't just about the Big 12 network. This is about every major regional network that's come up since they pioneered this. Okay, let me ask you about the millennial group. And we've talked about this before, but sure. I'll, I'll try it in a, in a different vein. You know, you're somebody that's in the ticket business. You're in the business of business. Uh, what is it about the millennial group that people, in your opinion, don't get? And are there actually traditional ways of getting media to them that people haven't understood? That they're more, look, I'll give you a good example. A lot of people think you have to have great Wi-Fi in the stadium because millennials want it, and they could care less about it. Yeah, they don't care. When you actually so talk to them. I all mean, the studies you know, show that they don't You're care. trying to think with them. So right. when you've gone through and done your research, what does it tell you? Millennials are about experiences, and they're way less about brands, right? It's the reality that we're seeing with them across their ticket buying preferences and where they attend and what they do. 
you know, we're all still significantly brand-driven based on how advertising has evolved from, you know, the 50s until today. And we're loyal to specific brands for no other reason but just something that we subconsciously understand. But they've been so inundated since the day they were born and had so much access to information that they're not loyal to specific brands. They're actually even less loyal to teams. Uh, and that comes from the fact that they've been exposed to entire leagues instead of just the local team on one of their 18 channels. So what teams, what, what they're really struggling with is not how to get millennials to attend when your team is good and when it's neat. You know, you were talking about the 76ers. Uh, you know, they've built something that's now crossed over into pop culture and, you know, millennials attend Sixers games. But what the problem is, was most uh, highlighted with was we saw with the University of Michigan a few years back when they couldn't get mm -hmm. students to even go to the game. Right? right, and that to Generation X and to the baby boomers is is just it's alien because you know to us the game is part of a community. We go to all of them, and that's something that we do because they're there. And we don't just say, "Look, this experience just really isn't that separated from the other experiences that I'm having." Uh, when the team is good and unique, I'll go, but otherwise, I'm not going to go watch you know a crappy team play. And <laughs> that's been the biggest problem: is the the actual ticket buying trends have become more about experience than they have become about even the band or even the team play. Like, people are more interested now in Coachella than even who's on the lineup for Coachella. Right. Coachella, for those that don't know, is a very large music festival that happens yeah. in Southern California two weekends a year. That It's the largest in the world now, and everybody's trying to, trying to back up on that. And it's become this large corporate thing where the brands are trying to find a way into the millennials, but the millennials just go because it's become this Woodstock-like getaway for their generation. Right. It, well, Exactly. Uh, now, I'll give you an example. Georgia football three years ago. Georgia football. Oh, yeah. Okay, 29% no-show rate among students who had already bought tickets. That's unheard of. Arizona State, I mean, for that 48%. To happen in, well, Arizona State, I understand. It's, you know, the oh, West yeah, Coast, no, I, as, much I, I, as much as I love it, the West Coast is soft <laughs> when it comes to football. But for SEC country and Big Ten country to have that happen at Georgia and Michigan, it's absurd. And it's it's not just absurd. It's something that is a very big problem for, you know, universities who rely on ticketing gate. Like, you know, the 76ers are a lot less reliant on people buying tickets to their events than right. Georgia and Michigan are. Uh, it's just the way it is. You know, universities have moved slower than the leagues have in trending towards activating sponsors around different kinds of things. They really rely on you attending the game, and they haven't yet evolved. And millennials are not going to support them. That's just the reality. They're not going to go unless the team's good. And even if the team's good, if they've been good for a long time and it's not a new experience with, you know, a new superstar that people find enticing, they're not going to go. I mean, USC games, the minute USC lost a game this year, attendance dropped by 15%. Yep, exactly. Right. Now, if you're uh, advising Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, <laughs> do you tell oh, him to boy. not challenge the fans who didn't show up at your spring game? <laughs> I mean... I don't know what the answer is for Tennessee. That, I mean, that was a program that was winning national championships uh, 20 years ago. That has just been a doormat. I mean, one bad hire after another. At what point do you say, look, we've lost a fan base. We've lost an entire generation of a fan base. Because that's happened across the country. I mean, you and I have seen it. Teams that were once, you know, superpowers are just now igno largely ignored. Right? Remember when Seton right. Hall was a basketball superpower and everybody wanted to go? That's right. not the case anymore. And, and Georgetown's getting to that point now. Where they yes. used to be a must see, and they played in the, you know, in the large arena where the Caps and the Wizards play, and now, you know, they can't even fill up their local gym. No. 
No, and that, that's exactly right. I got to ask you the Tiger Woods effect. What has it had, not just on attendance? It's obvious you can see it. What's it had in terms of the money side, the corporate side? Oh, it's, it's so significant. Golf has been interesting to watch because they're making so much money on the corporate side. Uh, corporate spending is way up. They found a way with golf where if you sponsor a tournament, you actually have to buy network time that aligns with the tournament that you're showing. So it really gives you the opportunity not just to say, all right, my brand is going to be highlighted during play with, you know, however I'm activating it with signage or whatever else, but I'm also going to be dominant on the airwaves across the board. So that's all been good, but the problem golf has is, you know, recreationally, you know, uh, participation has dropped significantly. You know, Dick's Sporting Goods almost went out of business because they bet so heavy on it. Nike pulled out of right. it all together. Right. You know, guys like Tiger Woods, as much as, you know, pure golfers say, I don't care to watch Tiger, I don't know why they show him while he's not in contention, while other, you know, younger guys are in contention. Well, they're showing him because he drives people to the range. He drives people to the courses. And the reality is the top golf effect, you know, we still don't know if that's going to hold. It's only been a couple of years. So... The effect that, that Tigers had on the tour has been significant, and the, the way they're looking at it now isn't so much how do we cash in right now. They're really trying to make sure they don't make the same mistake that when he leaves again, you know, everybody takes off with him. Uh, we knew that the Winter Olympics financially was not going to be great. Oh, okay. It turned out that there were a lot of problems along the way, just even with the coverage of the Olympics. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is is Tokyo a line in the sand to let us know what direction the, the Olympics are actually going in? It'll be interesting because Tokyo hasn't hosted a major live event in decades, right? And so the first thing they're going to have, they're actually going to have the Rugby World Cup coming up here. That's going to be their test run for the Olympics. So we'll see how they do with that. The funny one is, uh, I think I read this correctly, that Paris is already $2 billion or something over their budget. <laughs> it's, still, it's not until 2024. Which, are any of us surprised that there's going to be corruption in France overspending against their budget? Right. But uh, And they haven't even bought the land for the Olympic Village yet. So... <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those things where you just fully expect it to happen, but you see the headline and it makes you laugh. I mean, I mean, this is one of the reasons why you've talked so often here about people. Hey, if you want to invest a little bit of money, invest money in. And look, I'm a football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf guy, whatever. But I completely oh, yeah. get why you tell us why. Hey, look, invest a little bit in MLS, for example, because they've got MLS, a beautiful yeah. formula going where they don't have uh, oversized stadiums. They've got great atmospheres. The games don't, or the matches don't take that long, and people have fun. And they get involved when things go south. So Columbus, yes. the situation in Columbus is awful, right? But right. the league's involved, and they're going to move that team to Austin. And if they don't, then they're going to solve it in the next year. They're not going to have you know, a lame duck franchise. I mean, you look at what Major League Baseball did with the Expos. Uh, oh. That was a disaster. It was a total disaster. And the same thing happened with the Supersonics moving out of Seattle. Uh, you know... At least MLS has enough control from the top that they're making sure that these things don't happen. And look, the reality is, I think I think the leagues that people are investing in the most and have the most growth are the MLS and the NBA. I mean, the reality yeah. is, if the NCAA changes do eventually come, and I think that's you know coming sooner rather than later, the ability for them to create a G League and really start to saturate you know smaller markets with you know teams that are integrated with what's happening with the big with the big club. You know, players are going up and down uh, with more regularity than what's happening with, you know, minor league baseball. I just think the NBA, you know, the, the sky is the limit for that league. It's become an international game. They're going to be able to make it even more localized. You can see the ratings are going up while everybody else's are going down. It's sponsorship spending is basically maxed out. If you want to be a major sponsor for the NBA, you can't. There's no spots left for you. 
I'm, I'm sure we can't get an accurate gauge on what kind of market Vegas actually is. But a year ago today, they had no players. <laughs> they, are, they are Pacific Division champions. They swept the Kings in four games. They're into the into the into the conference semifinal. Is this as interesting and in some ways as remarkable a sports story as we have seen, not only on, from the on ice but to the management to the ticket part? I think the NHL got a little over aggressive with their draft, um, and now you have Seattle <laughs> making the same demands. Right. Hey, right. look, if Vegas gets to be the two seed, we get to be the two seed in our first year. Uh, what's fascinating about Vegas, so I've been to a few games out there. I've been to the environment and seen it. Um, it's still a really transient fan base. So, you know, when you go to the games, even with such a hot team, during the regular season, a very large chunk of the fans were from the opposing team, which makes sense because if you're going to go on a road trip to watch the team play, you're going to go to Vegas, right? You're going to fly out of Edmonton <laughs> in February to go to Las Vegas. So I don't know what the staying power is on it. I just, the only reason I'm cynical about it is because, you know, you and I have been around long enough. We remember when the Anaheim Ducks were the hottest thing in town for 10 years. And they were yes. so hot that they burned every bridge locally that there was. And, and, and you know, there was, there's been a lot of those scenarios where you've seen those teams, you know, that are kind of a flash in the pan and didn't hold on. And, and you know, for every one of those, there's also a, a San Jose Sharks, which is one of the best game day environments going, which makes no yeah. sense to me because San Jose is not a very big sports town. I mean, mostly it's based in San Francisco. The hockey fans from the East Coast would be shocked if they went to a Sharks game. People do not stand up during the game, and they're all sold out. So I don't know what but Vegas. You know, I think uh, I think they're going to make it awfully difficult for Seattle to be appeased by the NHL. Right. Well, in fact, you know, the, my opinion, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, I felt like, at least in my research, San Jose has always just kind of stuck to what they're supposed to do. And not only that, they've always treated their fan bases really well, as opposed to some groups that when they achieve success, then they got a little cocky with the success, raised the ticket prices, did this, did that, yes. went for the went for the quick catch money grab. San Jose didn't do that. Am I right or wrong about that? No, that's exactly. So the Anaheim Ducks are regularly talked about in the NHL circles, at least when I was there 10, 15 years ago, uh, about how not to do things when you're on top. Right. They just, they basically were so hot that they were, they felt untouchable and that that was never going to change. And, and some of the moves they made on the business side made it very difficult for them to maintain a fan base when they, you know, eventually came back down. I mean, the leagues are all based on parity. Yeah, there are some Patriots level dynasties in some leagues, but they're all built to not stay good forever. And, you know, it's just fascinating to see that. I'll be interested to see what happens with the Winnipeg Jets, too. They're actually really trying to tread that line. Uh, yes. They've got a very, very. Uh, interested and engaged fan base. But the reality is they don't have a lot of corporate dollars there, so that fan base has to stay up. They are one of the teams that relies on ticket sales. And, you know, that won't be new again in a couple of years. So, you know, all those forces that forced the team out of Winnipeg in the first place, are they gonna are they gonna put enough pressure on it in the second in the second time around? So who knows? And that's just the interesting play with hockey right now, right? Is you have these these moves that some of them go well. Some of them turn into the Arizona, you know, Arizona Coyotes. Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes, I saw their arena just three and a half, four months ago. So. <laughs> uh, beautiful arena and a beautiful place, but that's not a hockey town, and it never, ever no, will be. So. No, 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 never will be. No, Tony, but Miami. Exactly. And, you know, and that's the interesting part. Miami and baseball, that's one where, where I can understand why Major League Baseball wanted to give it a shot there, but... It doesn't work there. No, it does not work. And that new stadium, yeah. I mean, 
he, he basically fleeced the local government on that. That's a, that's a story oh. for another day. But yes, I don't. You know, I, it's it's one of those things where you wonder who's in the room saying, "Yeah, let's let's award a franchise to Miami." <sighs> Well, it wasn't you and me in the room because we would have given them different advice. (laughs) Tony, absolute pleasure. Even with the cold, you were still 98 on the slow gun. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Thanks, my friend. It's always, always great to hear you. Can't wait to talk to you again. Absolutely. We'll talk to you guys soon. The great Tony Knopp, CEO of Spotlight Ticket Management. And the shoulders of the suit just slumped a little bit more in the back office. He hates when we talk about money in sports. He hates it. He's been he's been blunt about it. How does he expect to get into that IndyCar race in the Poconos, you know? Well, he says he says there are no great seats available. He said, yeah, all the ones in the cars are taken. Everything else is available. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Here's Adam Purdy with another example of how Purdy Insurance is different. I was at home one Saturday when I got a call from a client who had just been in an auto accident with a rental car in Canada. After confirming that everyone was okay, I checked his policy and assured him that we had the proper coverages in place. Within a few minutes, I had his claim called in and he was back to enjoying his vacation. Purdy Insurance has been answering calls like this for over 90 years. Give Purdy Insurance a call today at 800-677-2478 to see what we can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, I was kidding around at the end of the Tony Knopf segment about how much quote, the suit hates that segment. Okay? Well, let's get to the serious side of it. And let's take let's take his side of it and you know, and then also I'm not kidding around. It's not I'm not this is not suit joke time or anything like that, okay? He pines and yearns, as I think many people do, for a simpler time. Would that be fair, Sean? Sure. Where your player stayed with your team his entire career. That you had Roberto Clemente for the entire career. You know, uh, and there wasn't player movement. You had the player. Chuck Bednarik stayed with you forever. 
Frank Gifford stayed a Giant his whole life. Mickey Mantle was a Yankee his entire life. Brooks Robinson was an Oriole his entire life. And people yearn for that. I mean, Derek Jeter just did it. But but they yearn for that. And it's amazing how, in some ways, and, and I'll give let's give even more recent examples. We were talking about the College Basketball Commission today, about one-and-dones. Well, you didn't have anybody in college basketball 40 years ago thinking about going. Or, I mean, let's, let's go 50 years ago. 50 years ago. I mean, if you had to handpick a person that would be the ideal one-and-done or could have gone from high school to the NBA and played right away, it would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But he sat out his freshman year at UCLA, and then he played three years, sophomore, junior, and senior at UCLA. He sat his freshman year. His freshmen were ineligible. But it's a rarity when that happens today. Tony Carr leaves for the NBA draft. After his sophomore year. And he's not going to be a first-round pick, probably. Saquon Barkley leaves for the NFL draft. Aaron Johnson leaves for the NFL draft. I mean, Austin Johnson. Austin Johnson leaves for the NFL draft with another year to go. And we're talking about cable arrangements. You know, the Big Ten now, its 10-year deal with Comcast is on the table. They've already dropped the Big Ten network in non-Big Ten markets outside the footprint. Now what's going to happen inside the footprint? Rumors are running rampant that it might get dropped from inside the footprint, too, until they finally get this negotiated and cleaned up, and then it'll be back to, quote, normal again. People want to watch the Dodgers. That's why I brought that up with Tony. I figured I would relate it to something that is in his own backyard that he knows so much about. That's why I had him bring it up to draw some parallels between that and what's going on now. We talk so much today about the business of sports or the problems of sports. Today, here were the headlines today. Uh, Let's see. Panel to NCAA, end one and done ban cheaters. Okay, so that's the NCAA story today. Des Bryant rejects Ravens' multi-year offer. Okay. Michael Vick to become offensive coordinator of the new AAF League. Uh, let's see. Okay, there's an injury to Thames. Kenseth, Kenseth returns to drive cup races for Roush. Again, that's a business deal. Callaway failed pot test at Combine. So, except for Thames going on the disabled list with a thumb injury, eh, well, that's to the Vic coordinator thing. That's a job. Okay. All the other ones were about money or problems in sports. Banning cheaters, one and dones. Rejecting a multi-year deal from a from a team, which the average fan would take in a heartbeat, uh, changing from one race team to another, 
failing a drug test at the combine. I mean, these are the headlines that we have in sports today. And so when you're talking about money, it comes up all the time. And I understand why, and I, you know, I kid the suit about this all the time, but I completely understand why he pines for a, a simpler time. Now, does that mean the simpler time was right? No, not necessarily. People change jobs all the time. Now, these guys aren't changing jobs, but they are changing franchises. So, Jake Arrieta was a Cub last year, and he's a Philly this year. I mean, do you expect Joel Embiid to be in Philadelphia his entire career? LeBron James hasn't been in Cleveland his entire career. Hey, tonight could be his last night as a Cleveland Cavalier. <laughs> I have to wait and well, see. No they're, no, no, they're tied at two games apiece. So, so I mean, it oh, could maybe be last week. Home, last home game, maybe. Right, it could be his last home last game. home game. Yeah. I mean, you you look at all these, you know, great players along the way that haven't stayed in one spot. I mean, do you think Aaron Judge is going to be a Yankee his whole career? Giancarlo Stanton wasn't a Marlin his entire career. He's with the Yankees now. I mean, Nick Foles was an Eagle and then came back to the Eagles after being with two other organizations. Peyton Manning didn't play his entire career with Indianapolis. You figure there's any quarterback out there would have spent with one one franchise. Nah, we're going to go get Andrew Luck. Okay. People are saying that, that the Giants shouldn't take Saquon Barkley. They need to get a replacement for Eli Manning. I mean, this everything today is about business. It's about numbers. It's about cable contracts. It's about ratings. I think people are tired of this stuff. I mean, I, and I, that's why when the suit does say something like that, I'll kid him a little bit. But I see his point, and I and I completely understand why a player wants to go from one franchise to the next. Look, you got to take care of yourself in life. You got to. You have to. Loyalty has to be a two-way street. And I just think we have these days when we get older, there's just some days where, yeah, I just want to, you know, you just kind of look back, oh, man, back in the day, it was this way back in the day. Well, right. those days are those days are long gone. Or maybe just, you know, if I could only be a kid again when it was happening this way and not that's why, the way yeah, it is now. That's why, like uh, an Otani story with the Angels. It's so much fun. I mean, it's just, it's a fun athletic story. It doesn't involve money. It doesn't involve TV contracts. It doesn't involve ratings. It just involves, wow, check out the dude. He can really play. And what's great, I mean, you're talking younger baseball fans, maybe some are hearing Babe Ruth's name for the first time, and they can Google Babe yeah. Ruth and learn more about him and, and and learn more about the history of baseball. It's, it's, a, it's a win-win. Right. I mean, so... So for an older fan, especially, who, no matter what, they'd wake up in the 70s, in the in the 60s and the 70s, they'd wake up every day, off-season, regular season, whatever, they knew Brooks Robinson was their third baseman, right? They knew Johnny Unitas was going to be their quarterback. They knew Lenny Moore was going to be out there. 
where they could count on the same guys out there almost all the time. All right, our rotation is going to be Dave McNally, Jim Palmer. Gee, we made a trade. We got Mike Cuellar from the, I think it was the Astros. From the Astros, and we got Pat Thompson. Uh, to go with the guys that we have there every day. Mark Blanger's there every day. Hey, Elrod Hendricks and Andy Etcheberrin are there every day. Davey Johnson's there every day. Hey, we got this really hot young guy coming up through our system, Merv Rettmond. Right? That's the way it used to be. And it's not like that anymore. Now, it did go from one extreme where the owners really had total control to now the other extreme where it's been like the Wild West. There's got to be some sort of middle here. But always caught in all of this are the fans. And how, how do the fans react to what's going on? And it's interesting what Tony Knopf was talking about on the college level, that for whatever reason, millennials don't identify as much with brands. You were brought up a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, right? Yes. And who else? Penn State? Sure. Who else? Those are the main two. Main two? Yeah, right. those are the main two. Suit was brought up as a Phillies fan. Until Ryan Howard blew his kid off. That's <laughs> yeah, just an awful, awful scenario. Those are the main two, but you can throw Phillies in there too, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was brought up a Phillies fan. He's a Steelers fan. I don't really think he's a basketball or hockey guy either way. And then he's a, an Andretti fan. And Mario's great, 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 great grandson could get into some sort of uh, car. Oh, he's in the background. No, nah, that was oh. Catrillo. <laughs> okay, oh, good. Matt, you're welcome anytime. He's saying to me, he goes, Ann, you're a stinking Pittsburgh Penguins fan. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> that from the Flyers fan in the back. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but you guys grew up on those teams. Matt grew up being a Philadelphia fan. And a Yankees fan up. and a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, through right. and through for Matty. Yep. Right. Eagles that's, fan. That's, sure. Like, and according to Tony... Many millennials, not all, but many don't have the same allegiances to teams. Now, why that is, I don't know. I, that, that's that's the part of it. You know, maybe there's just so much out there now, and maybe this business part of it turns them off. I don't know. Hey, LeBron James is a perfect example. I mean, LeBron's got to do what LeBron's got to do. So, I mean, th- th- this is not me being critical of LeBron James at all. But he makes a decision because he wants to win. Right? I don't blame him. He wants to win. He looks at Miami and he thinks that with Dwayne Wade and the possibility of getting a guy like Chris Bosh on board, they can win. So he makes the move. He actually took less money to go there. People think he got like he did. He did it for the money. He took less money to go to Miami because he felt that was the best way to win. Well, they won twice, but in the process, when he left Cleveland, they went from the NBA Finals and sunk into the bottom of the NBA to the point where they had back-to-back first overall picks. 
then he comes back to Cleveland. Now they're back in the finals again. But instead of being a Cleveland Cavalier his entire life, he spent four years with the Miami Heat. And for the fans of Cleveland, you've got that roller coaster. I mean, Jim Brown may have retired early, but he spent all nine of his NFL years in Cleveland. Which is what people of that generation are used to. And the 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 millennials of this generation. So I think it makes it more difficult to to have brand loyalty. I think it's easier to have brand loyalty if you're older because you grew up under the old system. I think it's more difficult to have brand loyalty now if you're just getting into it because all the parts are interchangeable. See what I'm saying? For example, what what's made it fun for you as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? You've had Ben Roethlisberger your entire the entire time. It's funny the last couple of games I've gone to, I just kind of stand and kind of I get a little reflective. It's like, hey, this isn't going to last forever. No, it's not going to last forever. Uh, Eli Manning. I mentioned Manning, Rivers, and Roethlisberger. You know, being you know, a jumbled you know a jumbled quarterback draft, and it worked out for everybody. Well, they're all still with the original franchises. Now, obviously, Rivers was drafted by the Giants and Manning was drafted by the Chargers, but they flip-flopped the same day, for goodness sake. So, let's you know, they've been there the entire time. They haven't changed. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, hadn't changed. Drew Brees, Saints, hasn't changed. That's helped establish brand loyalty, the fact that you've actually had some guys stay a long time. David Ortiz, after, you know, after the Twins let him go, all those years he spent with the Red Sox. Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams. Right? They had spent their entire careers with the Yankees. I think that helped in maintaining with the younger fan brand identity because those guys were always out there. We talk about the six quarterbacks that could possibly go in the first round alone tomorrow night. And, yeah, you kind of get out the... Yeah, you know, got the crystal ball. You know, how many of those out of the six will stay with the same team? Well, now, okay, let, let's take something else. Le'Veon Bell. He has spent his entire career with the Steelers. What, five years? Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. But how, how turned off are you as a fan that they're playing this game again? Too many things, that too, there are too many items in sports. Where, you know, it's amazing that sports has as many fans as they do because there are a lot of elements that would turn the average person off. Oh, for God, I don't want to hear about Le'Veon Bell's contract. Oh, I don't want to hear about what's going on at Louisville basketball. Oh, really? I'm, I'm, more of the, I'm more of the vein with Le'Veon Bell. I don't want to hear his latest rap records. <laughs> it's just, not, no, just no, saying, no, 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 no. Focus in, get something signed. <laughs> uh, well, the, yeah, that's, I mean, that stuff. It, it's We also do a very, 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 very poor job of covering sports today. I mean, I mean, I mean in all seriousness. Okay, well, then we'll take tomorrow and reset since well, the no, Phillies are on, but, and then we'll come back no, Friday. And... But, I'm, <laughs> but I'm saying, I mean, okay, 
I mean, some some of the questions you hear asked, I mean, it's like, you're like, what? I mean, here's the article. Playoff MVPs ranking the 10 best players in round one. Round one isn't even over yet. Who cares? Who cares? That's a, that's a stupid article. I mean, that's that okay. I mean, like I said, we don't cover sports right. I could have sworn you ranked them at least after they get, what, maybe a season under their belt? I don't really care what they're ranked, okay? I want to know which team ended up winning and whether you played well. Um, it's, Max Kellerman compares Simmons MB to Penny Hardaway and Shaq. <laughs> okay. It's, it's like, that's an article? Well, they got two hours to fill on first take. So I mean, what the heck are we watching here? I mean, really? I don't know. Who should be the next coach of the New York Knicks? All right, that's a legit article. I mean, right now it's pretty much anybody off 33rd Avenue. And who can tolerate (laughs) James Dolan. Yeah. Hi, this is Steve Jones. Afternoons 3 to 5 on WKOK. Join me Wednesday, May 2nd at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club for the 27th Annual Truman H. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament to benefit the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. There will be morning and afternoon flights for the four-person scramble. You can win great prizes and be a part of the Steve Jones Show as we broadcast live from the tournament. For more information, call the Sunbury YMCA at 570-286-5636. I hope to see you on the course Wednesday, May 2nd. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.